Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you joining us today. Tune in as Pastor Brandon Crook talks about our mission, Jesus Christ, and how he changes our lives for the better. Enjoy. Well, did you get your Christmas shopping done yet? Some of y'all said, nope. I was at the mall, what, two days ago, and I remembered why I've started shopping online. So if you haven't committed to doing what the great Lord has given us called using the Internet, if you haven't started, please do. It'll save you a lot of hassle. Um, My wife and I splurged on Black Friday, and we usually every year try to get Christmas ahead on Black Friday. That just means you got to plan a little bit further out. But we had everything ready to go, and we were able to almost do all of our Christmas shopping in one day. So our front porch, uh, pretty much every single day is littered with packages. And it will be that way for about the next week until Christmas is here. It's so funny. We'll walk and come home, and it is just like a pile of bricks of boxes in front of our house. But, hey, good luck to those of you who are, who are embracing Lenox Mall and Perimeter and the other places around here. But uh, just don't punch somebody. And if you do, just pray for them after. But uh, it's all good. I-, I wanted to kick off a little mini-series, a collection of talks over the next couple of weeks as we get ready to embark through the holidays. Some of us are going to be in town. Some are out of town. And, and I know this season could be kind of different, uh, a little bit, let's say, uh, unconventional for churches. Sometimes they do these productions. Sometimes they simplify everything. So this week we're we're celebrating big. Next week we're going to strip it down and just go acoustic and relaxed and give you a chance to invite your families and friends or if you're out of town give you a breather that you're not missing a whole lot. Although you will be missing something because I can't wait to preach on what I'm saying next week. But I wanted to kick off a series with you, a little mini collection here of talks over the next few weeks called King without a crown. King without a crown. It's something that's been in my mind for a long time that I was saving for the right opportunity to preach. And I thought, man, today and this time of year would be the perfect time to talk about the king, the ultimate king who walked the earth. Yet we would say he's the king of kings, walks the earth with no crown, no castle, but yet he came to serve and to love people. Amen. So I thought we would take it back to the beginning for a second. The very moment, in fact, when this king is being born. So if you want to snag a Bible, jump on your phone. We're going to go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 6 and 7. This is the pitiful, pit, pitiful, pivotal moment in all of humanity when our Messiah, Jesus, is being born. And to give you a little bit of context, they've had to go on this journey. If you remember, there was a census that they had to go and register in their hometown. The Jewish people, they had to go register in their hometown. So Joseph and Mary are headed back to the town of Bethlehem. And they have been searching and searching and searching for a place for Mary to deliver this baby. I don't know if you've had a baby before or if you've been in a situation where there is a baby on the way and it is about to come, and you don't have a place for that baby to be born. My older sister-in-law, her name is Sunshine. She has four kids. Her fourth child was delivered on the way to the hospital. Her poor husband had to pull over on the side of the road 
while dialing 911 to get an ambulance to come and help because the baby was coming out so quick that they couldn't even make it to the hospital. I can't even imagine, and I certainly don't want to really think about it, to be honest with you. But Aaron, I love that guy. He's, uh, he's a, uh, well, he's a new man probably. So, But baby Jesus is ready. God has ordained this moment and time in history. So let's read these few verses here and then talk for a few minutes about this subject, King Without a Crown. Verse 6 of the book of Luke, chapter 2, says this. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, Mary's baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Come on, will you pray with me? Father, pray for the next few minutes. God, let your words be my words. I pray that every heart, every life will fill you, will understand you a little bit deeper and closer today. Be with us this service. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, somebody say amen. If you're taking notes, I want you to title today's talk simply this. The miracle in your mess. The miracle in your mess. Have you ever stayed at a, a place that would be classified as messy? Have you ever paid for a hotel or an Airbnb that you would, you would classify as not what you were expecting, not what you paid for, and when you arrived, certainly not what you were excited to be in? I remember my wife and I, when we were youth pastors not too long ago, we took our, our youth staff on this little retreat. And we went down to Orlando. We lived in Florida. So Orlando was the central meeting place for all Floridians. If you're going to go somewhere, you go to Orlando. So we went to Orlando. And previously, we had looked at this, this Airbnb online. We'd been searching for the right place for the right price and knew we had our team coming. So we wanted it to be fun and excellent and, you know, something different and cool. And so what we did, we found this Airbnb, looked at the pictures, checked everything out, and thought, this is a, this is a cool spot. In fact, I'm, I'm excited to stay here because everything seems to check out. It looks good. <laughs> so Wednesday night, I'll never forget it. We do service, and then we drive through late into Orlando after our Wednesday night youth experience. And as we're getting into Orlando, we, we notice we're coming closer and closer to where the house is on GPS. So we're in downtown, and we're turning left, turning right, and going through the city. Now, online, it said close to downtown. That could be either a good thing or a bad thing. Because how many of you know some neighborhoods close to downtown are great. Some neighborhoods close to downtown, you just ain't got no business going in. And so we're taking a turn here and taking a turn there. And we start going through this neighborhood. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm comfortable sleeping in this neighborhood. Much less with my team and my staff with me. I don't know that I feel necessarily safe. Because we in the hood, let me tell you. And so we were driving through, and sure enough, come upon this house. And we began thinking to ourselves, how in the world are the pictures we saw online matching up with the house that we are now in front of? The little gravel pad that was supposed to be the driveway is where we parked, which was essentially the size of the front yard. We walk up to the front door, open the doors, walk in the house, and we're optimistic. I mean, come on, like we're not bougie trying to just go and, you know, live life, you know, big time. We're, we're simple. We're trying to treat our team, but at the same time not break the bank. So we walk inside, and 
looking around and we're like, oh, that's how she took that picture from this side. The angle was here. And, oh, so this room is not as big because she was actually in the other room taking the picture of this room with the door. Oh, so we're walking around. This was like a 1960s old school two-bedroom, two-bathroom house that she magically converted into like a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath. I have no idea. Plus a game room. <laughs> She didn't tell us the game room was one side of the bedroom, and the other side was two futons. We're like, okay, guys are sleeping over there. So we get in, we, we, you know, we're like, hey, you know, it's a couple of nights. We can manage. This is fine. So start unpacking, bring our stuff in. Sarah and I settle into the master bedroom suite, which was basically a box with a king bed. And we unpack our clothes, and, you know, we, we do a little thing called a sheet check. You ever done that before? Before you get in somebody else's bed, you're going to make sure that the bed you're getting into is clean. You feel me? So we do a little sheet check, pull the sheets back, pull the comforter back. And you would have, think there, you would have thought there was a snake under the bed that just came out and bit my wife at the screen that she just let out. When she saw how dirty this bed and these sheets were and how much hair was left in the sheets. Come on. That's a mental picture that you don't want to take to lunch. I get it. She screams, so our team comes rushing in thinking that something's happened. She just got stabbed or something. And all of a sudden, they see what we were trying to tell them. And some of them were like, oh, you just sweep it off, you know, wipe it off. My wife and I are like, listen, we've been married for a handful of years. This is not where we're sleeping. Pack it up, people. We're going to Disney World. No, I'm just kidding. I wish that would have been fun. But I knew of a hotel that was close by because, I mean, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning by this time. And my wife's already online typing out this review on Airbnb like, this is not the place you want to stay. We're getting our money back just to let you know. I'm on the phone with this hotel. Hey, do you have a few rooms? Stayed there before, so knew it was trustworthy. Knew it was a good spot. It was really cool. So we get into our hotel room, my God, by probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's beat, tired. And you know when you start getting irritable with each other, you just get mad for no reason. You're like, I don't even want to look at you. Just go to your room. You know, we're at that place. So we settle in, and we enjoy the rest of our stay, which was quite enjoyable. Some things are not always as they seem. You with me? Some things are not always what you think or envision through life. But also, as it relates to this story, the birth of Jesus. The manger sets that we put out in our culture are quite different than the manger scene that was the night of Jesus' birth. The cute little hay barrels and the sweet little manger that's perfectly placed in the center with, you know, hay protruding from the side that's cushiony like a pillow. And even the animals are smiling. That was not... The reality, the night that God's son was born. Let me give you a little bit of context to understand. See, back then, obviously they were on a journey to find a place to stay. And back then there was no such thing as hotels really or motels or holiday inn. There was, there was no such thing as even an inn really. It, it was, you would have stayed with your, your family or if you were a guest of friends, that's, that's really the extent of staying somewhere else other than your own place back then. But because that everybody had to go back to their hometown, well, guess what? There's really no room for Joseph and Mary and for the baby. 
at other people's homes, at extended families' homes potentially. So they're going from place to place, and somebody allows them to stay in what is the first level or the the underground level or the main level of these houses that were built. Houses back then were quite different. You probably know this. The main level was where they kept the animals that the homeowners owned, the cattle, the, the whatever, the donkeys, the sheep. That was the little stable, the barn, whatever you want to call it, but it was the first floor of the house. Second level was, was kind of the sleeping level and the area that the family laid their head at night. And then if there was another level, the guest room, if you will, it was usually a hut placed on top of these houses. And that was, quote, unquote, the guest room because the homes were flat, and so you could put an extra spot on top of there. So what most likely occurred is Joseph and Mary are looking for a place. They come across somebody who's got an extra bit of space where the animals are sleeping and staying on the bottom floor. Now, what's kind of funny about this is the animal's heat actually is what helped to radiate heat through the home. So it was like free heat, I guess. But it was a bottom floor stable situation. Dirty, messy. Are you getting the picture? Not the place that really you would want to live, to sleep, much less to give birth. The animals did not magically turn into these beautiful creatures and stop smelling bad and smile now that Jesus is here. This feeding trough or manger was most likely attached to the wall with food and saliva and dirt. And this is where our Savior This is where Jesus Christ is swaddled and then laid. That's the reality. That's the reality. And we see these manger scenes and we think, oh, this is so cute. It really wasn't cute. It was messy. Come on, somebody. It really wasn't sweet and awe. It was kind of, ugh. And yet God, who we worship, sent his son to be born in a mess. Are you with me this morning? A mess. Can I tell you this morning, there's always a miracle in your mess. There's always a miracle in your mess. You know, the Bible refers to Jesus as our Savior, right? King of kings, you've heard this, Lord of lords, right? So if he's the king of kings, there's been a lot of great kings in this earth. There's been a lot of great kings in this time. They have changed humanity. They have shaped culture today. And yet this one king who is declared king of kings, he's not born in a castle. He's not born in a magical, crazy cool place. He's born in the bottom floor of a disgusting house. The king of kings born into a mess. No castle, no crown, just a manger. Can I tell you something really quick? That where you start doesn't have to determine where you finish. Your legacy is not determined by where you begin. Because some of us have been born into a mess. Some of you have been born into a situation that's out of your hands. Some of us have been a part of things that we think to ourselves, how in the world am I going to leave a legacy apart from this? But Jesus... I would say, left a legacy that continues to talk and will continue to talk for the remainder of human history. He's the most read about. Come on. He's the most written about. 
He's the most thought about. He's the most talked about and influential individual that's ever lived on the face of this earth. He left us a legacy and yet was born in a mess. Don't think for a minute just because your mess right now looks like what it is that you can't leave a legacy, that you still can't do something great, that you still can't shape this culture, that you still can't make a difference in your neighborhood or with your friends or at your school or at your job. Because whatever your mess is, can I just remind you that there's a miracle inside. The miracle of Jesus being born into a mess can simply signify one thing, that there is no mess too big that Jesus can't handle. The King of kings, Lord of lords, the Savior of humanity, born in this place. Now, you know the story. He grows up. Little baby Jesus doesn't stay a baby. He grows up, and he begins his ministry, right? He starts ministering around age 30 or so, and he's doing the unthinkable because he's like the rebel of humanity. He's almost going where no place and no religious leader has gone before. Instead of standing in a temple declaring all of these rules and regulations, he's walking the streets healing people. He's going to places where religious leaders wouldn't go to save and to show and to serve and to love. Are you with me this morning? He begins to leave behind a legacy day in and day out, feeding the 5,000, doing these incredible miracles that were unheard of at the time. Born in a mess, now doing the unthinkable and imaginable. Now, if you know the story, it doesn't end there. At some point, the religious leaders get so sick and tired of this rebel guy named Jesus proclaiming these things that he, they think are false, that they put him up and give the crowd a chance to vote his crucifixion. Born in a mess, dies in a mess. Are you with me this morning? He died the most gruesome, messy kind of death that there could have been. It was an embarrassment for anyone, for any criminal. And yet our King, our Lord, our Jesus, our Savior dies that way. But there's always a miracle in your mess. Because three days later, you know the story. He didn't stay in the grave. Come on, I better get an amen out of this. He broke the grave in half when he reminded the devil who's in charge. And he came out of that thing and rose to life. Thank God that there's a miracle in the mess. We ask ourselves, why, why God? Like, you love us, you care about us, but why would, you, why would you send your son? What kind of loving father sends his son to do something like that? A father that's able to look through his son and see your face. A father that's able to look through his son as the sacrifice to the mess that you're in and say, I care enough, I care enough, I love enough so that no matter how big, no matter how small your problem is, no matter the mess that you face, I sent my son to go through a mess so that every mess you face, it's not too big for him to be with you. There's always a miracle in your mess. You ever feel like you've done something worth a reward? Jesus should have been that individual, right? He earned every blue ribbon that was known to mankind for every great thing that he did and yet got nothing but a cross. Have you ever done something where you're like, man, did anybody see that? Because that was awesome. Did, any, hey, did you notice that? Because uh, that, was, that was good, right? 
my, my, my son, he's four, and he's starting to really begin to understand his yeses and nos and obedience and all of this. I love it because we're really helping him to learn real obedience. And he did something a couple of days ago that was awesome. He finished his food, took his plate, scraped it in. I mean, four years old. Puts the scraps in the garbage, then places his plate in the sink. And didn't think a thing about it and even didn't ask for anything. He just went back. And I watched him and I thought, oh, my God. God, thank you, Jesus, right? I'm like, this was a miracle, okay? And I look at him, and I'm like, Israel, do you see what you just did? I was like, come here. That, that was awesome. Good job, good job. Like, I affirmed him. I tried to let him know, man, you did the right thing. This is amazing. So come get a reward. Let's go pick out a gummy rope. He loves these old gummies. So we got these. They're organic. Don't worry. And so we go to the, <laughs> we go to the pantry. We open it up. And I'm like, pick out a little gummy. That was awesome. That was awesome. And he's so ecstatic and excited now. And he goes back and sits down, eats his gummy rope. And next thing I know, he's picking up my plate. He's taking it to the sink, <laughs> comes back, takes, takes mom's plate, puts it in the sink, and then he stands by the cabinet. Do I get a reward? That's what he said. Do I get a reward? And so I had to pull him back aside and say, yeah, I'm going to give you a reward, but I want you to understand that obedience is what we're called to. There's no reward necessarily just for doing the right thing. Are you with me this morning? You don't earn God's grace. It's given to us freely. You don't earn salvation. It's through Jesus. Are you with me this morning? We don't have to do a bunch of good, 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 good stuff to earn a spot and a seat in heaven. All we've got to do is get on our knees and say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Help me. There is no mess because we get into this point, and maybe this has happened to you this year, where you're not looking forward to the year to come because of the year you've had. And you're so scared that all the baggage and the mess that you've been in this year is just going to carry into next year. And so you're fretting the even thought of crossing into this new year, dealing with all the stuff you're still dealing with. Can I just remind you today that there is no mess too great for our God to handle, that it is never too late to get on your knees and ask Jesus into your life. It is never too late to stop and say, God, help me. God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. God, I want you. And this person called Jesus, who was born in a mess and died in a mess and then rose again, can come into your mess. Come on, somebody, and clean it up and help you out and lend you a hand and get you to that next place. Don't ever think that your mess is too big. For Jesus, can I get an amen in this place? Jesus was so real when he could have been holier than thou. He could have floated across, held his arms out, and been this figure that we think in our heads that he was. But he was just this guy walking the streets. Had, a, had 12 dudes that he just looked at and said, follow me. They weren't educated or nothing. These guys were not qualified, but they followed him. And he raised them up and they changed the course of church today. He was real. He was honest. And he was a servant. He was a king without a crown. In fact, the only crown he wore had thorns that penetrated his scalp when he was being crucified. And this king who died wasn't just for any cause other than for you, for us, to remind us that all the mess that we are in 
can die and be raised to new life. This new person named Jesus now inside of us can get us out of our mess and into the miracle he's called us to. Book of Titus, chapter 3, I'm finishing up here. Verse 3 through 7 simply says this. At one time, we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But, come on somebody, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says this, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And this morning, no, no matter who you are, no matter how sticky your situation is, no matter how messy your life is, no matter how many times you've messed up, come on somebody, no matter what you say or what people say about you, no matter who believes and who doesn't believe, no matter what sin that you've done or the sin that you're in, there is a miracle in your mess. And that miracle today is a person and an individual named Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus, who was sent to us by a God that loves us enough to say, I'll send my own son to be born. I'll send my own son to be sacrificed. I'll send my own son to be the one, to be the replacement so that you don't have to die, but in fact, so that you can live. So that no matter the mess that you're in, no matter the craziness, no matter the stickiness, no matter the stuff that you go through, you've gone through or you will go through, we serve a God, we serve a Jesus who will be there day in and day out, every night, every morning, every afternoon. We serve a God. He's a king, but he doesn't care about a crown. He cares about a relationship with you. He's a king, but he doesn't care about a castle. He cares about your heart. He's a king, but all he wants is a relationship with your life. All he wants is to be a part of what you're doing. All he wants is to make you great. All he wants is to make you better. All he wants is to help you through your stuff to get to the next level. Are you with me this morning? Come on, all across this place where you stand to your feet. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. This morning, I don't know what the situation looks like. I don't know how peaceful your holiday season has been, but I know the one who brings joy. I know the one who brings peace. I know the one who brings encouragement. I know the one who brings love. Are you with me this morning? So no matter what the mess that you're in today, I want to encourage you that there's a miracle inside if you just look deep enough, if you just look far enough, if you just take the time to stop and say, no matter what, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. No matter what, I'm going to give you everything, Jesus. No matter what, I'm here for you, Jesus. Will you close your eyes across this place and pray with me? Thank you for joining us. We hope that the message left you feeling inspired, empowered, and energized to take on the rest of your week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at BeaconChurchATL to stay up to date with all the new things happening in the life of our church. We hope to see you soon. God bless.